0: having really good people around you that you can check in with and can always be honest with you and say you know what you've written out a character right now are you okay and Mm -hmm. where are you at and I think removing yourself from people who don't operate in line with your values is also really really important when it comes to kindness to yourself and then boundaries as well you know it's okay as a kind person to have boundaries and it's okay to be strong And it's okay to stand up for what you believe in. Being kind isn't about being a pushover. It's actually about being incredibly strong.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Women of the Future podcast, a podcast made in collaboration with the Women of the Future programme, a platform built to unlock a culture of kindness and collaboration among leaders, as well as support and celebrate the successes of women. I'm Kim Rowell and I won the media category at their awards in 2018, in recognition of my continued work as a commissioner, producer and children's author, particularly within the mental health remit. I'll be talking to my guests on this podcast about their careers, who or what gave them their first big break, their successes, failures and inspirations along the way, and how they came to be a part of the Women of the Future Network. Anna Shepard is an inspirational keynote speaker and the founder and CEO of Bambuda Group, a social enterprise and community for dedicated learners who want to make an exceptional impact through leadership in business. From humble beginnings, Anna spent most of her childhood fighting prejudice and entered the care system for a short time before braving the world alone at the young age of 16. Her early life experiences helped her develop a strong passion for equality and a vision for change. Anna worked optimistically and focused on putting herself through college, university and a master's degree. After working on various community development projects in Europe, Africa and Asia, Anna had an idea to set up a company with a clear vision for social and environmental change. And so Bambuda Group was born, an organisation that believes in a future where every leader and business is committed to creating a sustainable world of equality and opportunity for everyone. Anna was listed on the Kindness and Leadership 50 Leading Lights list, part of the Woman of the Future programme for Asia Pacific in 2021.
0: I actually grew up on the northeast coast of England, as you can probably tell by my very strong Game of Thrones accent. I grew up on Haven Holiday Parks. I don't know if many of you have been on these Haven Holiday Parks, but they're, they're um, a fun, entertaining environment that have got playgrounds and swimming pools and all sorts of entertainment and Broadway show entertainment <laughs> on the night. Broadway show entertainment with a pantomime budget on an evening <laughs> and it was quite an interesting upbringing in the sense that you know we were quite isolated from the outside world in a sense because we were always seen as travellers worrying upon caravan parks and I'm one of four girls um, well five actually one's my other sisters uh, she lives separately from us but several of my sisters have got learning disabilities or they have got disabilities and then to top it off growing up I was neurodiverse and gay so fitting into all of the <laughs> systems in life to enable you to thrive so it's quite rough growing up unfortunately me, my mum died of breast cancer a couple of years ago and um, I'm more open to say it now but it was it was quite an, a challenging upbringing in the sense mm. that I ended up going to live with the family um, in my 15 16 year old self and I ended up getting by because I got a kind of entry level access to drama school and I was dyslexic and bloody terrible at everything but I could sing the only time I sing now is in the shower <laughs> and after a couple of glasses of wine um, I also <laughs> think I'm a really good salsa dancer so um, Ooh, okay which I'm not so it's just I just think I am at the time and um, so I was really lucky in the sense that I got this opportunity which was quite healing for me in some ways because the kind of abandonment I'd felt from that teenage years you know something that's used to struggle as an adult to get over but also it was a very aggressive and quite oppressive upbringing certainly my father was not enjoyable to be around growing up and I think my journey and the opportunities that I've had have been due to a multitude of events where people have given me the chance or gave me the opportunity you know the first job I had I was working in a pizza shop called Chubby's in Scarborough right underneath uh, a nightclub when I often show that when I'm doing speaking gigs they're like was that a chubby nightclub I'm like no it definitely wasn't it was just a <laughs> pizza shop underneath and you know the guy who worked there he was actually a political asylum seeker from the Middle East and you know I told him my story at 16 years old and he gave me a job and he looked after me and back in the day and and know social services and stuff now kind of look after you until you're like 25 but then it was like you 16 sort yourself out so it was it was quite challenging but there was these lovely people along the way that gave me an act of kindness which changed the trajectory of my life again and again and again mm. i ended up working and um, once i'd left drama school i ended up going and working as an entertainer like a kids rep abroad in spain i did about four seasons in portugal for an irish tour company called budget travel and again right. Even that experience was me being given a job because one of the girls on a night out from the budget travel team had gotten into some bother and I stuck up for her and I ended up getting a job as a result to get me out of the resort I was in. So I wasn't going to get bother for looking after this girl. So there was all of these different events that occurred and I ended up applying to university and I got in on the access course again De Montfort University back in the day in Bedford which Bedford, I think yeah. is now merged to you know you know Bedford yeah
1: well, I, I live in Vista so it's not a million miles oh away. yeah yeah. Yeah, so yeah
0: it was great it was back in the old school days where everyone's drinking snake bite and black yeah. and you know the the walls were just purple <laughs> now the young people don't even drink you know and I've, I'm actually doing a year sober myself as well so it was a really great experience when I got to university I actually didn't have a clue what I was doing. I had braided hair, a suitcase, some thongs and that's all I owned and you know to be honest I just looked like a bit of a plonker that didn't fit in <laughs> and suddenly was around these kids that might have come from very different socio-economic backgrounds to me and I ended up becoming the LGBT officer back in the day because we didn't have the iq then if you're picking up what i'm putting down Mm -hmm. um and my job at uni was just to be there for when people wanted to come out so and to be honest i was in and out of the closet more than the kids from the line the (laughs) witch wardrobe (laughs) (laughs) so i i didn't know what i was doing either but there was only those polarized offerings when Mm. when i was younger if you're either gay or you're not and bisexual no one really believed that so Luckily now the next generation have reclaimed a lot of those terms and there's a lot more options for people out there. But because I was quite good at that and I was one of the slightly annoying students that was always walking around the megaphone trying to create some kind of social activism, mm. uh, they offered me to go for student president at the university, and I was like, oh okay, what do I have to do? And they were like, well, you know, get some people to vote for you, and we'll give you some pots of funding, and you can do some stuff that helped with education and inclusion and all sorts of good stuff and I said who else has gone for it and they said no one so (laughs) so that was it I just my ultimate Stephen Bradbury moment I don't know if you know Stephen Bradbury won the the Winter Olympics because he Ah, fell over and just yes 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 (laughs) amazing you know I was just in the right place at the right time but it was a really great moment for me because it changed me from being this person who felt quite disempowered in the world mm. to somebody who could create positive impact in this world, and also learn about structures and systems and all of the things that I had to learn to fit into in life. Mm. And uh, we did this awesome project actually, where we went to Malawi, where we did Raise and Give with Michelle Rohr, who's an awesome human who founded Inspire Malawi. And we packed our backpacks full of tons of science equipment and sports stuff. And we landed in Malawi. And for somebody at that age who I didn't realize that I was as neurodiverse as I was, it was just such a challenge for me to be out of my comfort zone in a sense and in a complete different place. But it was a game-changing moment for me because I came back just completely quite naive as well like why why is it different for people who live in different places in the world and you know my privilege even though I'd had it rough I still managed to have access to healthcare. and no matter what route I went around I still managed to get into university and get access to education so that kind of put a fire in my belly and that's where it all began actually and I worked for children's services in Manchester for a while I had an amazing time in my 20s in Manchester. And then I ended up going into fundraising for charities, strategic fundraising and marketing. And I was doing really well with that, but I was certainly not very kind to myself Mm. um, on that journey. I was still drinking on a weekend. And I think we do have a bit of an issue with binge drinking in the UK and just definitely hiding and surviving hiding from myself a little bit you know achieving overachieving if I just keep achieving you know if I stop I might die that's why it's like. <laughs> like I'm running away from myself with my achievements mm-hmm. and um, when my mum died of breast cancer it completely broke my heart and she'd been the only person on my journey that from a young age even though it was really hard living with my father and living in that world and environment and so excluded from the outside world, she'd always found a way to tell me she loves me and she's proud of me. Mm. And she'd write me letters, don't forget to tell me where you live. And she, would you know, she was also coercively controlled and I could never be with her on my own. And so when I saw that her life, you know, she was 60 years old, it gave me that reality check of like, because you ask yourself where did she go and how long have I got left and I went on my own eat pray love around Mm -hmm. Asia more like eating and praying to be honest (laughs) just more like eating (laughs) 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 I had a very very delicious time uh yeah a sense of
1: mortality though isn't it I think when something like that happens
0: yeah and it was really the kick up the bum I needed to think about well what am I going to do with the rest of my life and how can I use my sphere of influence and my strengths Mm. and awareness of my weaknesses to make this world a better place so I went to Sri Lanka and I got into Buddhism and it was the thing that felt right for me is you know I'm actually a terrible Buddhist you know I fall off the wagon (laughs) but the precepts of Buddhism really helped me in that journey and that self-love and I'd never really considered that I could find a place called home in myself Mm. until that So anyway, I arrived in Australia, having traveled a multitude of different countries, doing volunteer work and community development work and had a thousand dollars in my pocket and a positive state of mind. And it was like a loaf of bread cost like eight dollars when I got here because the the economy, the difference is so different. Yes. And I was just like I went to I was like, I've got a thousand Dollars and pounds, I'll be all right. And I went to the supermarket and it was like one shop and it was nearly gone. And I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna die. Here. <laughs> so I didn't know what to do. I'd separated from my previous partner. And then I thought, right, I just was drawn to Sydney for some reason. I don't know. Got to Sydney, had my first interview, didn't even have any clothes. You know, I was wearing somebody's singlet vest and all right, a shirt. Okay, nice. I had just, yeah. just pants on at the bottom. I, I had nothing <laughs> on this Zoom call to try and make myself look like a, a real human and I did get a job working for a multitude of different charities over here because they were short of fundraisers and people with those kind of skills mm. so for years again I worked in strategic fundraising and marketing I've helped hundreds of businesses build their social responsibility by aligning to these charities but I got to a little bit of a point where I felt like I was selling out it was a bit of a tick box exercise a CSR agenda and But what I did notice was there was always a leader that was coming to work full of passion because of these projects and these charity alignments. And I thought to myself, what's actually out there supporting these leaders that do want to be a different kind of leader, kind in capital letters. And there really wasn't much, you know, there was this environmental crowd, which could be pretty hardcore eco-warriors. And you might show up to one of these events where the something's going on and it's a little bit like, oh, a bit judgy. And do I ever keep cup? And there's no music on in the background, and I'm socially <laughs> awkward at the best of times. And um then there was the social, social responsibility crowd, which was LGBT and diversity and inclusion and lights and colour and good mm-hmm. vibes and really I felt like there was something missing that created a watering hole that everybody felt like they could arrive at no matter what their knowledge was and that's where the concept for Bambooda came from actually was if we can work as hard as we do kind success is inevitable but then the next challenge came how do we prove that how do Uh we prove that that's a viable business solution and also Bambooda was the name of the local cafe bar in Ibiza where I used to live oh, when I was younger yeah. okay um and it was one of the first times in my life where I did think you know what I think everything's going to be okay so it's a homage to the humble beginnings but now I am a founder it's a movement of leaders committees we've got a board and all sorts of leaders that are trying to move the dial on mm-hmm. that leadership piece so that was the founding of Bamboo, and that was kind of my story it's very top level but yeah
1: you're such an engaging storyteller but you can really feel and sense the strength of your own character and it really feels like you've gone through the mill and then some and then gone back through the mill again so then there's this sense of survival mode as well and I know that in what you do now one of your mantras is be the change that you want to see in the world which is which is fantastic and it's also a mantra that I live by as well but has there been a standout moment or person in particular? I know you've mentioned a few things there as you've talked about your journey, but was there a moment or a person that you would say help mold your interests or just reassert that what you were doing was the right thing, you were headed in the right direction, even though you turned up in Australia with not enough money to get by and you know, that you were still, your moral compass was aligned and you were doing the right thing.
0: Um, I think there's been a lot of those people and like I, I'm a student of life, and I consistently work to surround myself with people that are more intelligent than me, which isn't that hard. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm socially intelligent, but when it comes to the academics, like we need the actual adultier adults. Which mm. sometimes when I'm making decisions, I'm looking around for a more adultier adult. <laughs> um, I, I also use comedy to diffuse my anxiety, as you probably recognise, but there's been so many people along the way. And I think that that's why kindness is something that has become, you know, it's not a buzzword for me. It's, it's natural. Everyone is capable of it. Whether you feel emotion, whether you can feel empathy or not, we're all capable of taking actions that can improve the environment around us for the people, for our community. And yes, it's good for business, but it's also what the world needs right now. But there's been so many people that have just challenged me in positive ways around my thinking around my entitlement around my ignorance from time to time and I think one of the most important things I've recognized because Bambuda our kind of big audacious goal is that we believe in a future where every leader is committed to creating a sustainable world of equality and opportunity for everyone what I've recognized on my journey is all of the other others the people that have been othered or they feel othered have got a story to tell and I think what the most important thing we can do is is create a space where we can have a difference of opinion Mm. and we can have a different perspective on the world but we can still be kind to each other because one of the things we've recognized is if we can get more diversity into senior leadership and onto boards just by de facto we're actually going to start solving a lot of the world's problems so there's been I would say too many to count and I meet inspirational people every single day in my job and sometimes I go home and I'm inspiration fatigued and where (laughs) I'm thinking to myself how am I supposed to process today you know like how am I supposed to process and I'm what I'm getting better at is recognizing that person stepped into my life just to give me that message and I need to listen to that oh it's Mm. happened again and it's happened again and some people who look at kindness and leadership and business might not see things through that holistic lens but you often are shown what you need to learn and, and the areas you need to heal mm. um, and I think I'm getting much better at listening to that but resilience is something that I think unfortunately is learned by a lot of leaders if they've been through challenging times and we've definitely recognized a correlation between trauma or life events and leaders wanting to take a more compassionate approach to leadership because something's happened which has derailed their perspective of the direction they were going in or their healing through the act of giving through the act of kindness but what I'd love to see is a world where people don't have to go through traumatic events to show up in a kind way or to be Mm. able to understand that that's the trajectory we should all be on but resilience is hard especially in this time now with for example COVID you can see the people who have had to be resilient through their lives because they're tenacious, they can push through the storm. But there's a lot of people who won't have had those traumatic experiences, that this will actually be incredibly traumatic. And I think we need to be really compassionate to people at this time because no matter how hard you try and get to anything that resembles normality, there's a barrier, there's another barrier, there's another lot of COVID, companies closing down, mental health has been challenged. And I, I think I've been speaking to so many people the past few years, it's almost like COVID has made everybody face their end of level body. You know, whether it's being home alone, whether it's some mental health issues that they've been pushing away, whether mm. it's the reality that the business they're in is not the right cultural fit for them. And also enough time to step off the treadmill to go, wait a minute, who am I and what do yeah. I stand for and yeah, absolutely. why have I been on this treadmill for the last however long yeah. I actually want my life to be meaningful and that whole piece of work around meaningful work and everything is so important right now because the great resignation is real and people are reassessing why do I need to go into this office environment which totally stresses me out when I can work from home in fact my answer's no to coming back to work (laughs) (laughs) Not like it I'm resigning you know so there's (laughs) a lot of things have shifted and if you're not kind in the way you operate as a leader you're not going to be able to maintain your talent for much longer
1: I was really curious to ask you, because obviously the Women of the Future, the programme, runs the Kindness and Leadership 50 Leading Lights Awards, both in the UK and across Southeast Asia. And I was listed a few years ago and I made a connection through that. And we launched in the pandemic a festival, a virtual festival called Kindfest, and it's been going for a couple of years now. I mean, I am getting to my point, I promise. But this past year... We featured this research by the Kindness Research Foundation that they've made kindness quantifiable. Because I think what I would like to ask you as well is Mm. is that the issue that it isn't quantifiable? Because they found now they have actually found a way to test it, and you can actually improve what they call like your KQ. So instead of an IQ, which is fairly fixed, the KQ is something you can can work on but you think the quantifiable element of kindness like you say compassion and empathy they're a little bit more whimsical aren't they and they're not necessarily skills that are associated with leadership so what do you feel about that
0: um so i think i think depending on the lens you're looking at it through so we look at it through three lenses at bamboo group we look at it through the individual the organization and then societally mm. so as an individual you can cultivate kindness and compassion and there's so many practices that you can do that do that like metta bhavana there's buddhist practices there's meditation that you know that self work is the work that cuz if you can be better to yourself you can work to heal whatever it is you need to heal in yourself just by de facto and then Mm. the laws of the universe you can be better for the people around you Mm. but with regards to metrics and organizational output as a result of kindness we're actually uh, we've built a corporate kindness curriculum which has identified through the research we've done the different areas of kindness within business that actually show direct correlation to triple bottom line and Return on investment. So, brand awareness, brand purpose, customer perception, staff engagement, team cohesion, community engagement, environmental impact. And what does that look like with regards to ESG and mm-hmm. your investability as an organization around risk into the future? So under that curriculum, we've identified those three pillars. So we've got a kind leader program, which is academy style, which is about upskilling and building the knowledge around what does kindness look like for leaders? And then how is that applied into business? So we've got a kind business program then. It's Mm. around benchmarking across all areas of your system, which we try and look at things as a system. What benefits across all areas of that system? And then the knock on effect of that is then societally, what's the impact you're having, you know, environmental. So we break it down into kindness to self, customers, community, environment and people. So your actual people. So across all of those areas, there are benefits. And mm. I think when we started our journey, which was about five, or six years ago, it was harder to prove the correlation between kindness and business output kindness in leadership and team well-being all of those things but i think the pandemic certainly helps mm. um, the index we are working on at the moment and there's a few organizations around the world that have made good headway with this we're linking directly into the corporate kindness awards which we have built it's the first one we've had to postpone it a couple of times so it's on the 1st of april in sydney which is helping companies reward, celebrate, and benchmark how they're going with regards to kindness across an organization. But I think we can talk about systems and we can talk about investability and risk, which is how things have been positioned in the past from that CSR perspective. But really, true kindness is about bringing it back to the humanity that we all share Mm -hmm. and not getting lost in this capitalist system. And I'm not anti-capitalist, you know, I'm about stakeholder capitalism rather than shareholder? How do we benefit everyone around that organization? And how do we look after the people within it? And I think historically, we think about corporations as these toothless bodies with no people in them. Majority of people, given the opportunity, would like to be a good leader. And now we've got to a point now, I had an amazing conversation yesterday with a lady called Dani who has started an organisation, charity called Fly High Billy after her daughter that unfortunately died in an accident um, around building kindness into curriculum in primary school. Because the reality of it is as leaders, now kind leaders, it's a beautiful thing, but we're kind of cleaning up the mess that's Mm. made through people not being conditioned with kindness as a priority for themselves and the world around them from a young age. And then going into a system which only a few decades ago was all about the best of the best of the best and quite ruthless and only about shareholder interests. And so we've got this massive tumbleweed between the old leadership style and these emerging leaders which operate under different rules and different values and, you know, like, well, I don't need to ask your permission to get to where I want to go. I'm going to go there anyway. But the challenge is when those leaders get there, they haven't had the experience that these elders have had in the, in the leadership world to maintain the resilience, the staying in power, how to run a marathon rather than a race. Yeah. You know, so that reverse mentoring is so important right now. And then we've got the other end, these leaders that might not be that tech savvy that then become irrelevant and you know, where do they fit into the system? I think you've got these millennials like me, these top end millennials just sitting in the middle, looking at both sides going, I can relate to you. And you know, I know how to not rock the boat and I know how to show respect to the the baby boomer leaders. And I, I also am tech savvy enough to still be kind of seen as respected in the next generation's eyes. So we've got two choices, I think. We can wait for the old school generation to leave and the, the new values led and purpose driven and movement focused way of doing business will just take over. But then we've lost, we've lost a lot. We've lost a lot of knowledge or we can start working on how we can bridge the gap, how we can share that knowledge, how we can re-establish what the new definition of respect in the workplace looks like cross-generationally, cross-culturally and put that money into educating the next generation of humans into being the kindest most empathetic people we can that's where I think the the proof in the pudding is as we say in Yorkshire Mm.
1: it sounds very much like translating kindness into the language that businesses understand or you know making it you know translatable so that it's tangible and they can assign it goals and kpis and all the things that they need to do to make it to make it quantifiable which is what we were talking about originally
0: 100% and also holding everybody accountable to what that looks like in an organization you can't really run an organization that's about social output and social inclusion if everyone on your board is an over 50s white male Like, if there's no reflection of the communities you're serving, you know, you're never really going to be seen as credible into the future. And I think that that's one of the biggest risks is the fear of the otherness, the fear of changing a system which from everyone's own mindset thinks works. I mean, it does work for you if you're benefiting from it. So that's where I think we're at really is how do we truly create environments that are inclusive and create a sense of belonging. Um, and people aren't following brands anymore. They're following movements. Yeah, you deliberately shopping in places that are aligned to the change you want to see in the world. Some people don't care. And there's always going to be people that don't care. And that's okay. But the more people that do care, the sooner we're going to get to the destination and I don't want to be a doomsday prepper and I you know I did thoroughly enjoy don't look up on Netflix recently <laughs> yeah <You know? laughs> I stopped watching
1: halfway through because I got a bit freaked out I was like I yeah live it yeah the ending
0: of this is fine
1: <laughs> it was a very
0: satire example of what's mm. really happening in the world right now but we do we do have to make this agenda fun and engaging and nobody wants to go to the end of day's party because that's really depressing and we're all just trying to keep our own together Mm -hmm. um so you can put a beep in there if you want and then we do have to work really hard now um mm. but we use music so we use music and our ethos at Bambuda for everything we do we've got a very strict production protocol is around creating good vibes so we've actually just opened one of the world's first kindness business centers which has got training rooms media oh, yeah. studios pop-up event space Thanks. co-working And it's all about good vibes. It's all about lamps and plants and, and you know, (laughs) music and, you know, all our events that we put on, keynote speakers come out to their favorite song. You know, it's just up enough for people to feel like, oh, this is feel good vibes, but not that far up that people are like, oh, it's a bit culty and not really my cup of tea. (laughs) You know, because if we can ensure people have a good time and it's like, maybe I'm sitting next to you and I've got nothing in common but that song comes on and we both love it. And we're both on the same same frequency for a while. So what we're trying to do is create a space that feels right and enables people to show up and just relax Mm. and be open to the conversations in play. The Impact Studios, which are part of our new kind business centre, we've created especially to amplify underrepresented voices. And we're really excited about what that becomes into the future around that narrative and the storytelling and the power of storytelling, which you'll be really aware of, Kim. Um, So, yes. So we need to create a safe space, a safe space for uncomfortable conversations. But everybody gets a high five and and a non-COVID hug after. That's
1: the moral of the story. An elbow bump, maybe. Yeah, Yeah. an elbow bump, (laughs) Across all the work you've done, and there's been so much of it clearly, is there any one thing in particular that stands out for you or that you're particularly proud of?
0: Well, our role, and I certainly see my role, my last name is Shepherd, is to be a shepherd. So my job isn't to be in the spotlight necessarily. I'm really good at playing bass. At (laughs) Bam Group, our job is to empower the leaders to be lead guitarists in their own journey. We're on base. Sometimes we don't even know where we're going, but we're still playing base. And I think I'm really proud of the leaders that have gone through our programs. Some of the work they've done is just phenomenal. You know, we've we've got leaders that have set up projects in Uganda for child soldiers. We've got leaders that literally have changed a whole system of plastics within big corporate retail companies, uh, changing health inequality. You know, and I think how powerful executive education is when it's about social responsibility and modern slavery and diversity inclusion and it's just the education piece of you don't know what you don't know until you don't know you don't know it (laughs) you know I like that knowing how to apply and being aware as leaders and I think you know we talk about conscious leadership but being aware of your influence, by your purchasing power, by how you're treating your staff, by the charities that you align to and the impact you can create. It's a very powerful thing. And Mm -hmm. you can wake up tomorrow and you can be the leader you've always been, or you can wake up tomorrow and be more aware of the impact that you have on everything around you Mm -hmm. and start taking steps to improve that. So I'd say they're my proudest moments. I definitely get my hits from my buzz from the ripple effect that kindness can create and we can't even start to narrate and aggregate those stories of impact we're actually working on it now because from our theory of change and our theory of change is around the amplification and empowerment of diverse leaders into you know they go through our programs and then they might become a coach or they might want to be board ready and so on and so forth so our journey is with that leader not necessarily with the company we will work Mm. with them but that ripple effect is quite magnificent and sometimes there's no rhyme or reason to it or there's no explanation around how things fall in place but they do and and I also think one of the biggest challenges is around people understanding why this agenda has a positive effect in business and mm-hmm. once they get their head around it like some of the organizations we've worked with to start with everyone's like well, oh, have seen a leadership team worse nothing to do with me <laughs> now this is all bloody softy softy and by the end of it they're ambassadors for the change because they're like whoa I yes. really didn't know a lot of that and can realize how I can important really... it is, yeah one of the one of the favorite leaders I've worked with is the exiting CEO of Bloom's the Chemist, which is an amazing community pharmacy group here in Australia. You know, and he he used to head up Myers and some really great places. Thanks to the work of Pamela Bishop, who was the CMO at the time who brought this agenda to the table, Phil will now confidently say this is one of the biggest paradigm shifts of his whole career. And it really is like we're the first tidal wave in a tsunami of change we're the first small wave actually the next one's going to be quite massive and so for businesses that do want to ride that tide they need to be on board with the expectations of not just their customers their staff but also their shareholders as well
1: how did you first hear about the women of the future program and how are you involved with them
0: I've been watching because we do now research around kindness around the world. We've got all our Google alerts on. So mm. we know if anyone pops up that's doing similar things and we're all about collaboration and, you know, we're we chatting to Imran and um, and Pinky and just love, 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 love the commitment to the work that they've been doing and highlighting this agenda the Kind Fest we were obviously aware of last year and I think it was a lady called Susie that was organising it. Susie Hills, yep. Yes, Susie. So it just popped up on the radar then because we actually launched our Corporate Kindness Awards about the same time they were launching APAC for the Leading Lights Awards. We were talking about how can we collaborate, is there a way that we can recognise or do a double awards for people as they were going yeah, through. Yeah. So we're still we're still on that journey and still collaborating in that way. But you know, I never won an award in my life actually. And we're getting loads now. But it was the first award I've ever had in my life. Hey. Um Congratulations. Yeah and we, we we're now in the finalists for all sorts of awards because You know, just in the last two years alone through COVID, we've actually given away $325,000 worth of leadership scholarships thanks to our programs. So we're a social enterprise at Bambuda, which means all corporate programs and paid leaders that want to access our programs. We pay it forward so underrepresented leaders can access coach and development and all sorts of good stuff each year. So I think that us having that sheer level of impact throughout COVID as well has been something that's kind of amplified us into the spotlight, but we've had a massive, a massive amount of support from leaders, senior marketers. And I just want to do a shout out to our board and our committees. We've got the Calport Kindness Award Committee, a programs committee, we've got tech committee, and all of the stakeholders, partners, and collaborators over the past five years who have believed in the vision, our shared vision, and take real ownership over it. We also have Currently, thirty-two professional coaches that donate their time over the year to support and coach the leaders. So it's it really is a team effort of businesses that believe in this agenda, and um, well, our next steps actually are a tech enabling our program so it's accessible globally. We want a girl in Kenya to be able to access a girl or a woman or a leader in Kenya to be able to access exactly the same journey as somebody here in Sydney. And we're really excited about what that will look like into the future.
1: So stay tuned. It's really exciting. Right, I have some quick fire questions for you. Just okay, hit Here we go. Right. Yes. What would you describe as your greatest success?
0: Greatest success is... I would say I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia two years ago and it has been an incredible challenge to get on top of my health. Anyone who doesn't know what fibromyalgia is, it's a debilitating pain and fatigue condition
1: and i'm most just people really know pan- it because of lady gaga I don't they? i think she's yes successful. i mean if yeah, it's good yeah. enough for
0: gaga it's good <laughs> enough for me <laughs> you're in good company <laughs> you, you know clearly <laughs> I mean? <Good>. um yeah <laughs> so it's a beautiful monster as as lady gaga would say And if you interestingly she set up the be kind foundation um, yes, which yes you know i'd love to connect with her in the future and we have got some exciting stuff in the pipeline uh, where we're hoping to connect with some of those influences around the world but i'd say getting on top of my health and as an entrepreneur certainly social entrepreneur where the hustle is harder I just say to everybody just make sure you look after yourself like before I think I lived a life of the mind and now I've learning to live a life of the body and it's probably been one of the biggest lessons I've had and although it's been incredibly hard it's also taught me some really important lessons Mm -hmm. Um, so I'd say that's my biggest achievement the past few years
1: and your greatest failure
0: Greatest failure? I think my greatest failure would have been not putting a comprehensive enough business plan in earlier. So, you know, it took us a few years to really get the structure we needed, but then it was consistently evolving. So it meant that financially the first couple of years was so hard. And I'd say, you know, because we're sitting between the charity and business space. And a lot of people say, why don't it just be a charity? It'd be easy. Because and my answer to that is because we're not practicing what we preach then are we we're saying that it's good for business to be kind we've got mm. to be demonstrating that so I would say if someone said to me would you do that again I'd say definitely not
1: <laughs> you know uh and good I think learning experience yeah yeah
0: absolutely
1: okay the mantra of women of the future is kindness and collaboration what does that mean to you in both your personal and professional life
0: I think collaboration's everything. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all of the partners and companies that believe in the future. I mean, you can have certainly in the first, like still now, we don't disregard conversations with anybody because there's always potential collaboration opportunities. We have to get savvy around that time and how we spend it now, but I think you can never disregard who somebody could be and what somebody could achieve no matter who they are and I think kindness is so important but also just recognizing that no one's perfect everyone's got skeletons in the closet everybody's on a healing journey everyone's capable of not being the best version of themselves under pressure and under stress and I think having really good people around you that you can check in with and can always be honest with you and say you know what you've written out a character right now are you okay and Mm -hmm. where are you at and I think removing yourself from people who don't operate in line with your values is also really, really important when it comes to kindness to yourself. And then boundaries as well. You know, it's okay as a kind person to have boundaries. And it's okay to be strong. And it's okay to stand up for what you believe in. Being kind isn't about being a pushover. It's actually about being incredibly strong, especially when you're that leader that's trying to put a big change agenda on the table. So I'd say that, Even in people's darkest hours, just having people that can remind you that you need to be kinder in this moment to yourself or to others. Because we're all humans and there's no such thing as a perfectly kind human. Everybody has their ups and downs. And I'm grateful for my team who always will pull me in line if I'm being a bit of a plonker. (laughs) And I'm really, really grateful for my close friends who consistently show up They're active friends, you know, they're not passive. They see their jobs as to consistently help me be the best version of myself. And I also see my role as in friendships to be exactly the same. The biggest loves of my life are my sisters, my siblings and my nieces and nephews. And I'm working really hard so that I hope I can create a stress-free future for them into the future. And I think I've had my ups and downs with experience of family but I hope that the legacy I can leave is a secure future for mine.
1: That's lovely. Is there anything that scares
0: you? Oh yeah, loads of stuff. <laughs> well interest interestingly, because of my background, I'm not that scared of the things that the average Joe's scared of. You're like spiders like, and the dark and Yeah, or like mm. t- building a Starship enterprise of an organization, or you know, <laughs> like it just <laughs> just the things that most people would be nervous of is like well let's put this awesome event on and we'll. we'll be like yeah no why glass, not That's yeah lame. there's no glass ceiling <laughs> in my mind but it's the ridiculous things that I'm scared of like I'll go home and I'll think oh was I kind enough to that person today no. did I challenge them too much um should I message them and make sure they're all right so my biggest fear is actually being a bad person and Aww. not being able to uh It is somebody to walk away from me feeling like I didn't see them that's my biggest fear because I know how it feels to be not seen so the the day-to-day things you're fine don't really scare me yeah
1: bungee jumping
0: yeah I've you know actually I would be a bit scared of bungee jumping I've done a (laughs) skydive I did a skydive when I was still in the UK Lancashire and it took five attempts to do this skydive because the weather was always so rubbish. By the time it came, I was just like, throw me out the plane. (laughs) I'm just like, I want to do something else with my Sundays.
1: (laughs) So um, so
0: I'd say my big, my biggest fear is not being able to be a person that can make somebody feel okay around me. And, and I know that's not possible all the time. And a lot of people have said, you need to work on that. I was like, yeah, I do. Mm. You know, but, it's the irrational fears but then all neurodiverse people have got minds that go off on all wild random tangents every two minutes so I'm just honest about it it comes with its strengths in the way that Mm. you see the world and the creativity that comes with the possibilities but also comes with you know fears that are very rational sometimes (laughs) yeah
1: how do you manage that? How do you manage the neurodiverse element of your personality? Because I'm sure it manifests itself in all different ways and in at inappropriate times. And how do oh, yeah, you totally. how do you wrangle it?
0: I think just self-awareness, which I've only just started getting better at when I was younger. So when I was younger, I would I would just think that I was normal and like neurotypical. <laughs> and I would look at people and be like neurodiverse, 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 <laughs> neurotypical. And now I'm like, neurotypical, neurotypical, (laughs) neurodiverse. I did it the wrong way around. Yeah, so um, I always just felt like I didn't really fit in or I didn't think the same as everybody else. So I would, you know, have emotional meltdowns out of the blue for no reason, like be sensorily overwhelmed, going to the supermarket and I'd Mm. be feeling like I'm gonna have a panic attack by the time I get to the avocados. And I'm thinking, (laughs) I don't even like guacamole, why am I here? (laughs) So I think self-awareness, in the pursuit of love and connection, you know when when you love somebody and they are saying, "Look, why are you funny about that sometimes?" and why are?" And you're like, "Oh, I don't know. Let me investigate that further." And so I think self-awareness. I've got lots of coping strategies. I have an assistant that really helps me with my dyslexia and some of the things I might find a bit hard. Yeah. And I'm just really aware of my strengths. And also, I can talk a bit too much, so if you interrupt people, I'll be like, "Sorry, I just got overexcited there or you know, I think if you show up with good intent and you can be honest and say, look, I can be a bit much sometimes. People are aware of that. But I also meditate religiously. I've got a really, really good toolkit of well-being practices in place. And I think that's really important. I don't work after three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, My my hours of productivity between seven in the morning and one Um, knowing when you work well and when you don't. Uh, I can't focus for long periods of time after that. Um you know, and i I work four days a week, so I have my Fridays off to make sure I can recharge. and I think it's to start with, I would find it really hard not being there at this event or that event, but actually being honest now, I don't feel bad about that because I know I'm actually going to be better for everybody else if i if I have rest on this day or if mm. I function, function better. This. so. It takes time and I'm still on that journey, but I think I'm incredibly honest and I'm, I'm very authentic with who I am.
1: What's left on your to do list? I have a sense it might be. Quite, oh, God, quite loads. Long. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. I'll tell you my, I'll tell you my
0: top three. Okay. So I want to do a documentary around kindness, and we're actually in conversations about that at the moment, which will be fun and feel good, but also really educational. So stay tuned for that. I would like to write my first book and I've got a series I want to create. And it's always been something I've put off because I'm dyslexic, but I've got a ghost writer now and I've had some interesting times in my life, some entertaining, lots of learning, Mm -hmm. um, lots of challenges. And through each decade, like I'm nearly 40 coming on now, but for each decade, there's just been such transformation, change, growth and healing and i think you don't really realize until you get maybe into your late 20s 30s just how generational trauma manifests mm. and but also just just to go home i've been in australia i haven't been home for four years i oh, want to come wow. home
1: yeah
0: and i'd love to come and say hello as well kim when i come home um yeah that'd be lovely yeah I have a cuppa uh in. Yeah, no one appreciates a cuppa here, Good, you know A cup of I mean? tea, A, yeah. good, a cu- cup of Yorkshire tea from the, from the <laughs> famous tea plantations of Yorkshire. Uh, yeah,
1: da- yeah, yeah right. there, there isn't anyone. Anyway. <laughs> we're,
0: we're very friendly, but you know, we're, we're just so loyal in Yorkshire if it says Some Yorkshire on it. beans in
1: all the adverts now as well.
0: Yeah, it's it's very. I mean, they're probably from Kenya or Sri Lanka. I'm pretty actually. Sure. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Mm. Because it says Yorkshire on it, we're proud. We're so proud <laughs> from Yorkshire. <laughs> you yeah. know, that proud we've all left and moved to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say they're my top one. Documentary that storytelling piece and leaning into the narrative, I'm actually just putting an an amazing new board in place at Bambuda and we'll be looking for a new CEO very shortly, so I'll I'll be moving into the founder role within the next couple of years so I can focus on some of these things and travel and come and see you all,
1: yeah. Anna, it's been fantastic speaking to you, thank you so much for taking the time, it's been an absolute joy, you're such a presence and strong character and yeah i hugely admire everything that you stand for and everything that you do so thank you very much
0: and thank you kim thank you for holding space for everybody and uh,
1: i look forward to seeing seeing you when i come home thank you for listening to this week's episode of the woman of the future podcast if you enjoyed it please hit the subscribe button and while you're there why not give us a rating and review you know you want to For more about the Women of the Future Awards, network and initiative, please visit www.womenofthefuture.co.uk. See you soon.